0: You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. In the early, uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was a man that lived. um, He was a very wealthy man. He was a, a business owner and an avid golfer and just had a lot going for him at the time. Uh, He was traveling one day on a train and he was sleeping on the top bunk in his train car and he fell out of his bed and hurt his shoulder really bad. And so he went to his doctor and they prescribed him this new pain medicine that they had been recently just discovering and recently had just been using. Um, And and it was a very expensive pain medicine, but he was a wealthy man. So he said, yeah, I'll give it a try. Um, And so he started taking it. Um, and the dosage was supposed to be very small that he was supposed to be taking, and so he started taking it. Not only did it make his pain go away, but it also just made him feel better in general. He was in a better mood, he was able to to have more energy when he went out and played golf and stuff like that, and it just really, I mean, made him a better person altogether, feel better altogether. Um, and so he started to rely really heavily on this pain medicine, and he started taking it more and more and more, and eventually, Many years down the road, he was taking up to three bottles of this pain medicine a day, um, which was a crazy high amount of what you were supposed to be taking. but he just it just made him feel so good um, that, that he just needed more and more of it. Um, but eventually. Um, he started having a lot of health problems uh, after many years of taking this this medicine uh, very he started having problems with the skin uh, and it even led to his bottom jaw coming dislocated from his mouth um, and they actually had to surgically remove his bottom jaw altogether Um, and by the time he was in his uh, 40s um, he was bedridden and It it had just eaten away at him, and you could even see like parts of his brain because it ate away at his skull. It was just very, very bad, and this was a medicine called Radithor, and it basically was just radium mixed with water. And so as he was taking this medicine, all he was doing was putting radium in his body, which if you don't know is very toxic, very bad for you, Um, and so... This eventually led to him dying because he just had radiation poisoning very badly, developed numerous types of cancer from from this radiation. And by the time he died, he was not even recognizable at all. Um, And so this very wealthy man um, became dependent on Radithor radium and it eventually led to him dying and being even unrecognizable by the time he died. This sounds a lot like how sin works in our lives. The world promises us that sin is gonna be so good. The world promises us that it's gonna make us feel better, it's gonna help us uh, to, to you know, satisfy our needs, and that's what the world promises us with sin. But ultimately what it does, it might satisfy us temporarily in the moment, but what it does is it just leads us farther and farther away from Christ, and it, and it ultimately leaves us unrecognizable. And that's how sin works. Um, I've heard this saying many times, and I've seen it be true in my life. I've seen it be true in other people's lives. um, But the saying goes that sin will take you farther than you intended to go. It'll cost you more than you ever intended to give, and it'll keep you there longer than you ever intended to to stay. And that's such a true statement. Um, In my understanding, though, sin and holiness are opposite of each other. Uh, Holiness is just the absence of sin. Sin. You know, just like darkness is the absence of light. Where there is sin, there is no holiness. Where there is light, there is no darkness. The same kind of mindset. So this morning, uh, my my goal is to help us understand how we can live a holy life, how we can better follow Christ, be holy, and avoid sin deteriorating us and making us unrecognizable and, and ultimately leading to our physical death and spiritual death. Um, And so, I know we usually have somebody that comes up and prays for the sermon, uh, but I have something a little different. Uh, A good friend of mine uh, sent me a video and and we're gonna show that video and some of our students may recognize this person. Hi, Piperton Baptist Church, how are y'all doing? My name is Vincent Smith and I served as the camp pastor at the North Greenville Fuge uh, with your students a few weeks ago. It's been a great uh, opportunity getting a chance to get to know them. And Pastor Josh and so I am excited as he gets a chance to share the word with y'all this morning And so I know we have an opportunity to pray so let's do that right now as he comes to share in the word father We love you God. We thank you for these divine moments Uh, Speak uh, through your people. Father, I pray that right now as Pastor Josh comes to share a word uh, with the church, um, that you would speak through him. You would hide him behind the cross. All of you will be seeing God and none of him. In your name we pray. Amen. Piperton, I love you. God bless you. Have a great day in worship. God bless. Peace. All right. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. Um, so if you want to go ahead and open up to there. Um, and this is, this is a passage that Obviously, Paul is writing this to Timothy um, and and this is in a lot of preachers and a lot of pastors will read this passage and preach on this passage and and it'll really be a charge to those who are entering into full-time ministry or something like that or going out on the mission field. Um, And that's how oftentimes we look at really both of of Paul's letters to Timothy because Timothy was a person who was pursuing ministry, who was like kind of following in Paul's footsteps, so to speak. Um, but I think that, that we can look at this passage and we can we can apply this to just Christians in general. You don't have to be pursuing the ministry or anything like that to be true because the truth of it is if you are in Christ, you are in ministry, whether that is a full-time thing or whether that's just in your own personal walk with the Lord and in the people that you're around every day. And so we're going to read this scripture with the lens of applying this to just the average everyday christian human being. Okay, so 2nd Timothy 2 starting in verse 1 says, "You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will who will all who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus." No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So Paul sets us up and he's, he's, he's writing to Timothy and he gives... Um, Just a few things that I think we can apply to our lives on how we can practice holiness, how we can practice pursuing Christ, and in turn, as we pursue Christ, we can avoid falling into temptation, falling into sin, and that sort of thing. And so there's just gonna be a few things that we're gonna talk about. The first is right there in verse one, he tells Timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so how can we pursue holiness? Be strengthened by grace in our lives. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are somebody who professes Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you have received grace from the Lord mainly in the form of forgiveness of sins, but, but there's all types of ways that we receive grace. The clothes that we wear, the breath that we breathe, all of that is acts of grace towards God or from God towards us um, because we are fallen humans and we, we really don't deserve any of that from Christ, but he gives it to us out of, gracious, out of graciousness, out of love, uh, and sometimes we can almost become entitled. We can almost feel like, you know, because we follow Christ and because we are believers that that we kind of deserve it. We deserve grace, we deserve God's love. But that's not really the case because, I mean, that kind of goes against the whole point of grace in the first place because grace is something that you receive that you didn't earn or that you didn't deserve. And so be strengthened by grace, knowing that you've been given so much that you don't deserve, you've been given so much, God has blessed you mainly in the form of forgiveness of sins. And so there's just, I can look back on a lot of moments in my life and I look back and I remember those moments and they were very, very vivid memories that I have that were very important moments in my life. For example, September 1st, 2017, I scored my first touchdown in a high school football game. I will never forget that day. I'll never forget that moment. Uh, I could even tell you the name of the play we were running. I mean, that was just a big moment for me. Uh, Another another moment, February 12th, 2021, I went on my first date with Annie, who is now my wife, and so that is another, that's another moment I'll never forget. Another moment, another day that that will always hold true to me and that I always look back on and remember how good God has been to me. I think we can do this with a lot of things in our lives. We can look back on the things that God has done in our lives and we can look back and remember those things and allow that to strengthen us. And like when we're in a situation that's like, man, I really feel defeated. I really feel like, you know, nothing really can go right. We can look back on God, on how God has blessed us in the past and let that strengthen us in order to keep moving forward and know that, that God is still good. God is still faithful, even if we're not really, Really feeling like it in the moment he is. He's good and he has a purpose and he has a plan for what he's doing. And so looking back on God's graciousness, looking get back on God's mercy and how you've seen him move in your life is strength in the things that you face every day. And that's something that, that I have really challenged myself to do and it's really helped me. I, when, I'm in, when I'm in those situations, I'm like, I'm like God, I, I, don't, I don't really feel you in this moment. I don't really see how you're working. But then I'm looking back and I say, I know you worked in my life in the past and I know that you're still working in my life right now and that can fuel us and and give us just that extra nudge to just keep going, to keep pursuing Christ, to keep pursuing holiness, especially when we're in a a moment where we might feel tempted to, to fall into sin. Look back and say, God, I see how you worked in my life. I see how good you've been to me and I wanna be good to you in return of that because of how good you've been to me. And so remembering the grace that God has given us, remembering the forgiveness that God has given us, it's okay to look back on, on the dark moments of life too. It's okay to look back and say, man, I really remember when I was in this really dark place and when I was really struggling with this sin, but I also remember how God brought me out of it. I remember how God redeemed me and restored me after that. It's okay to look back and, and remember that time where you were, you were just really struggling with anxiety or depression or anything like that, and you really feel like the weight of that on you. It's okay to look back at that, but then also to look back and see how God gave you peace and how God gave you joy in those moments. That's so important for us as believers is to remember the things That God has done for us remember the places that we've been that God has brought us out of and that is enough to to keep us going and to give us strength to keep pushing forward Um, but this also comes with a warning as we remember grace as we remember his forgiveness we also are warned not to abuse it as uh, Romans 6 1 2 says what shall we say then are we can are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who died to sin still live in it so look back and remember how God has brought you out of that sin, but not sitting there saying, I'm going to just keep sinning because I know God's going to keep forgiving me. That's not the attitude we're supposed to have. We're supposed to look back as, as a milestone and see how God moved, not as a way of saying, well, God forgave me then, so God's going to forgive me now. I've even said that in my own life when I really was in a moment of temptation, I was like man, I really want to do this, I'm going to do it, and God's going to forgive me, it's going to be fine. I've, I've done that in my life, and and that really is just not satisfying at all to, to, the, to the soul and to the spirit, but, but Paul says to not continue in sin that grace may abound, just to, to live a holy life, to pursue holiness in this way, and so be strengthened by grace, but don't abuse God's grace, uh, and, and when we do that, we really can can have the the, the, that nudge to go forward like I said a minute ago. And then after, after, this, uh, after the net, this verse into the next couple of verses, we get three different analogies where God uses or where Paul uses God through Paul, uses three different scenarios, three different types of people, and, and we see analogies there. And the first one is he gives an analogy of a soldier um, verses 3 and 4 say share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him I thought it was really interesting that God brought me to this passage as we're celebrating Independence Day this week um, and we're we're remembering the soldiers and I just want to take a moment if you have served or are serving in the military would you stand so we can recognize you I never wanna take you people for granted that have served for this country. Uh, as, we, as we celebrate Independence Day this week, we celebrate the, the independence that we have and the freedoms that we have. Um, it's, and I always I just wanna to, to thank those who served. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that you guys are here um, with us this morning. Um, but as I was studying this, uh, this passage um, about, about um, a soldier I just uh i called my dad because my dad is a former soldier and my dad served in the marines um he's he's right up here and and so i called my dad and i just was like i just need your your input on this because i mean you can look at this through the eyes of a true soldier you can look at this through the eyes of somebody who served in that way and i said what what does it mean to you for, for no soldier to be entangled in civilian pursuits, I just asked him, what does that mean to you as a soldier? And, and his answer was, you know, as a soldier, you're allowed to have your opinions on certain political things. You're allowed to have your, uh, opinions on things that, that's going on in the country, but you're not really supposed to get involved in those things because of the position that you hold. Um, you're not really, you know, as a person in service, you're supposed to conduct yourself in a certain way as a person of service. You're not supposed to, to conform, conform to the civilian ways. You're not supposed to, to act like a civilian, like soldiers, the people in service stick together and they do what they're supposed to do. Um, they do the commands that they've been given. They do the jobs that they've been given as part of their duties. And so I said, I asked him after that, I was like, that's a good answer. Do you see any correlations with you know walking with Christ and with being a Christian and he said as followers of Christ there's a certain way we're supposed to conduct ourselves there's a certain way we're supposed to walk we're not supposed to conform to the ways of the world we're not supposed to conform to to the people around us we're supposed to to you know stick together as believers just as people in the military stick together you're not supposed to look like civilians you're not supposed to look like the world that that was exactly the point I wanted to make when I was reading this, is that when it says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, it's saying don't be like the world. Don't conform to the ways of the world. Christ has set a standard for us that we're supposed to follow. And and if you're ever wondering what that standard is, all you gotta do is read the Bible and it's and is all through it. There's a, there's a way of life that we're supposed to live as Christians. And, and it's so easy for us to just you know, not really do that. It's so easy for us to just walk around and be like, yeah, I made a decision to trust Christ so like I can just kind of go about my merry way and know that when I die, I'll get to heaven. That's, that's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere does it say that we are allowed to do that. When, the, when there is a true conversion, when there's a true salvation, there is life change that happens. And you really are i mean we there's this idea in the bible of warfare spiritual warfare that's going on and we know that it's not against flesh and blood but it's against you know principalities and the rulers of the darkness and those types of things and so this is we, we are truly fighting a battle if we're in christ and so with that comes the responsibilities of somebody who is fighting a battle of a soldier we have this responsibility to carry our way, ourselves in this manner, the manner that, that Christ has called us to. We're called not to look like the world, not to conform to the world, not to conform to the world's ideas of the things going on, not to conform to the, to the things that are trying, that are trying to be taught to us in school and, and that are trying to be, you know, pressed onto us in life. Like there is a very set standard that we have as Christians and we're supposed to follow it. Just as a soldier has very set standards that he's supposed to follow, very set code of conduct that a soldier is supposed to follow. It's the same with us. We, we have been given commandments. We have been given things that we're supposed to conform to that are completely 180 degrees different than what the world says and that's that's a thing that that I see so often is as Christians we want to try to to get as close to the world as possible without actually being identified with the world we want to try to get as close to sin as possible without it actually being able Without somebody being able to say oh that 's sin we want to just we want to just teeter on the line without stepping over it right that 's how I mean we see it in our kids we tell we tell kids hey like don 't do something what 's their first thing they want to do? They want to go do it like that 's just our human nature. You tell a kid not to touch the stove because it 's hot and what they want to do they want to go throw their hand on it i mean it just that 's how we are as humans that 's just how our brain works we just do the things that we're not supposed to do like there it's just crazy how rebellious we are as a people even even those of us who are in Christ we still are rebellious we still walk away at times but it's just it's a reminder that there is a code of conduct that we're supposed to follow Um, I heard a preacher say this use this analogy just this week Um, he was talking about when jesus was was going to the cross, um, and you know all the disciples had left him, and so like they all run and fled, but it says in in the Bible it says uh, you can find this in Matthew and in Mark that Peter followed Jesus from a distance as as Jesus was was going to the cross, was carrying his cross, he was you know he 'd already been arrested and they were sending him to be crucified it says that Peter followed him from a distance i feel like this is a lot how we tend to try to follow jesus from a distance so peter he was close enough to jesus that when jesus was in the spotlight and the fame was there peter could you know step in and say yeah I, i'm with jesus i'm i'm right here with him but yeah he was far enough away that that when they started you know, cursing Jesus, when they started spitting on Jesus, when they started throwing shade at Jesus, Peter could like, you know, sink back into the crowd and not be noticed. Peter was close enough that when they were praising Jesus, when they were, when they were listening to Jesus's teachings, Peter was like, yeah, this is my teacher. This is who I follow. This is, this is my disciple maker. Like, this is who I am. But he was also far enough away that when it came down to the time of Jesus being crucified, Peter could just sink back into the crowd unnoticed. That's how a lot of Christians act in today's culture. We wanna, we wanna be close enough to Jesus that we can identify him with him when things are good, but far enough away that when the slander comes and when the name calling comes, we can go unnoticed. This is, this is such a big problem in the church today, and I've seen it happen. I've been a part of it in my life before, and I've seen it happen in other people's lives, and this is, this is not at all how we're called to follow Christ. We're called to follow Christ like a soldier follows his commanding officer, doing everything that he tells him to do. Why? Because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, as it says in the, in the second half of verse four. If we're doing things just strictly out of obligation because we feel like we have to, yeah, that's better than not doing it at all, but that's still not good enough. Our aim, our goal should be doing the commands of the Lord because he's called us to it and because we love him, because our aim is to please him. Our aim is to do what he says because we love him. Jesus told his disciples, if you, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. In turn, that means if you don't obey my commandments, you don't really love me. And that's a hard pill for us to swallow. That's a hard pill for me to swallow because I can look back on countless times in my life where I've been disobedient and I, and I can say that in those moments I was not loving Jesus well, because I was disobedient. But Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And that kinda is a segue into the next analogy that Paul gives um, in verse five. It says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's this bad stigma in the world that all Christianity is is just a big set of rules that people are supposed to follow, and and people will look at the Bible and just call it a rule book and and say, you know, well, that's no fun because all all you're doing is following a set of rules like that doesn't sound very fun I want to be able to to live free and be me and do what I want to do like this is this is how the world will tell us do what makes you happy do what do what pleases you you don't have to worry about anybody else you got to do for you and yours and forget everybody else that's what the world says but just like just like an athlete is not crowned unless he he competes according to the rules we don't get the full glory of God if we don't Obey His commands, and I don't. I don't like to use the term rules, but you know it's just terminology. That we do have rules that God gives us as Christians, and we're supposed to follow them. Um, and and I can relate a lot more to this one because you know I grew up playing sports and everything and so the the athlete analogy is more something I can relate to Um, and I can look back and and think about the coaches that I had throughout the days. I had some really good coaches who encouraged us to play the game the right way and encouraged us to to do everything the right way but I can also look back and think about coaches that I had that encouraged us to to, you know, get as close to breaking the rules as possible. And even some that would encourage us to break the rules as long as we didn't get caught doing it, you know. And I look back and I think about, you know, just the the life lessons that we can learn from that. Like, if you've ever played a sport, like, it's so much deeper than just the sport. There's life lessons to be learned. So even with a sport, Like learning to play the game by the rules and to play fairly helps you to live life in that manner as well, to to live life fairly and play by the rules. And that helps us in our walk with Christ because just like I was saying a minute ago, Christ has given us a very set standard, a very set of commands that he gives us and we're to follow them. Just like an athlete is supposed to follow the rules in the sport he plays, we are supposed to follow the commands that Christ gives us. And so play by the rules, obey Jesus. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Do you truly love Jesus? Are you truly obeying his commands? If both of those answers aren't the same, then you got some business you got to do with the Lord. If you're not obeying, you're not loving. That's just the the truth of it. If you're not obeying Christ, you're not loving Christ well. Uh, And then the last analogy is, is that um, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. This is just an encouragement for us to work hard. You know, does work save us? No, works is not what saves us. Works is not what gets us to heaven. That's only the blood of Jesus that does that. Only a relationship with Jesus that is enough to save us. But are works necessary for the believer? Absolutely. Absolutely, in James it tells us that faith without works is dead. What good is our faith? What good is it to say that we believe in something if we're not act- actively pursuing that thing? What good is it for us to say that we believe in Jesus if we're not actively pursuing Jesus? What, I mean, I just, this baffles me, I, but it shouldn't because I've done it. I've been in this place where, where I've had faith but didn't follow Christ. But I look back on that and I think, what was I thinking, what was I doing? Because true faith leads to action. Because if it doesn't lead to action, that's not true faith, that's just an emotion that you're feeling, that's just uh, an experience that you're having. But true faith, true relationship leads to action, leads us to work hard for the Lord. The Bible says over and over and over to do things heartily as if you're doing them for the Lord, to do things with all of your heart as if you're doing them for the Lord. It says that several times throughout scripture. And this is just a good reminder that yes, our faith is what saves us. We're saved by grace through faith, but there is things that we're called to after we have that faith. There are things that we're supposed to follow. Uh, Just, you know, the same idea, the same set of rules that we've been talking about. That's what we're supposed to follow and we're supposed to do it wholeheartedly. We're supposed to work hard to follow these things. And just as the farmer who works hard is rewarded with the first fruits, so will we re- be rewarded with blessing from the Lord. Whether that be here on earth or whether that be when we get to heaven, we receive blessing from the Lord when we are faithful to work hard for him. And it's not always the type of blessing that we might want. You know, sometimes we wanna be blessed with a, with a new car, or with a big fancy house but sometimes we see blessings in the fact that we just get to see people. Like we walk around so often and we just have our blinders on and we're so focused on what we're doing that we don't see anything that's going on around us. But there's true blessing and there's true joy in being diligent for the Lord and being able to see people and being able to to meet people and get to know people and build relationships with people. That's the whole point Of us following Christ, we're called to meet other people where they're at. And we can't do that if we just have our blinders on and are just worried about what we're doing. We have to be able to see people. And that's really a blessing because those who don't have Christ don't have the ability to to do that. And so everything that we have because of Christ is a blessing. And, and our vision and our ability to meet people where they are and get to know people in that way is a blessing from God. There's so many other ways that God blesses those who follow him. There's so many way, other ways that God provides for those who follow him. Yes, he provides sometimes for those who don't follow him. He, he puts things in people's places when they don't follow him. But it's so much greater for those who do follow him and those who are faithful to him. Because when we are faithful, he is faithful. He's faithful even when we're not faithful, but he is faithful even more when we are faithful. His faithfulness never ends. Ours does sometimes. Mine does sometimes. But his faithfulness never ends. And so as we walk through life, if we are working hard for the Lord and if we are focused on the task that the Lord gives us, this can help us to live a holy life. This can help us because we 're so focused on the task that God gives us we 're so focused on doing the things that God calls us to do that we don 't even have time to think about those things of the world that might tempt us we don 't even have time to think about sin or anything that can pull us away from Christ because that 's where our focus is our focus is on Christ and whenever we whenever we kind of turn our head and you know come off the path a little bit that's when that's when Satan really pulls us because if you, you know, if you're going in a straight line and this is the path that you're going and and this is you following Christ, it doesn't take but just a fraction of a degree off for Satan to be able to grab you and to pull you just like that. It happens so quick. I mean, you just think about David in the Bible. David, all he was doing was serving as the king and then all he did was look over and when he looked over and saw Bathsheba, It happened like that I mean he just went off just like that all it took was one lapse in his focus one lapse in his judgment and it really all started with just a head turn all it started with was a head turn and that's so often how it is for us we see something over here that catches our eye and the next thing we know we're beelining towards it and not even worried about Christ anymore but if we are focused on Christ and focus on the tasks that he gives us and the commands that he gives us and focus on being holy and, and fulfilling the commands and being obedient to him, we don't tend to turn our head as much because we're focused. But it's when we lose focus when that head turn happens. And so, um, you know, we don't always see the fruit of the work that we do, though. We don't always get to see the fruit of it, um, but that doesn't mean that we're supposed to not do it. If, you're, if, you're, if God's calling you to do something and you're doing it, and you're doing it faithfully and you're not really seeing fruit, that's okay as long as you're doing what God's calling you to do. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain." Nothing that we ever do for Christ is in vain. Nothing that we ever do for Christ is meaningless. It all has meaning, even if we can't see it. Even if we don't know how God is using our faithfulness, he's using it. And it may not always even be for our good. It could be for the good of others around us. And we may never even get to see the result of it, but he does, and he blesses that, and he rewards that with so many things. And so the challenge really is just for us to be holy. I mean, we're called to that in Scripture to be holy just as He was holy. It says that several times in Scripture. That, that is something that, that Jesus taught. That is something that is taught in the Old Testament before Jesus came to be holy just as He is holy. And we do that by remembering His grace, not pursuing the, the world, playing by the rules, and working hard for the Lord. And so we actually get to practice one of those things this morning. Um, we get to practice remembering the grace of God by taking the Lord's Supper together. And the Lord's Supper is meant to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And so we're going to do that. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 32. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in any unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along the world.